Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. So today I'm going to focus on some of the lessons from the Consulting Office Season 1, particularly around uh, Felix and our interaction with Kevin Quine, the um, former worldwide managing partner for McKinsey's strategy practice and their CEO transitions practice. And the lesson's important because it ties into and exemplifies a surprisingly common problem, I would say misunderstanding is probably a better word that we experience with clients and with people who write to us. So let me just sketch out the challenge here. You know, I get a lot of emails and um, requests from clients and from even readers and listeners saying, Michael, when do I use this approach? You know, when do I use this approach? Um, how do I know when to use this approach? And my response to them is kind of direct, maybe a little bit so obvious that people, I'll, I'll tell them the answer and then they'll, they'll look at me or they'll read it and then they'll come back and say, I don't understand because it's so obvious. Now, the answer to the question of when you use this approach, the answer is you use it when the interviewer asks you to use it. Now, when I tell that to most people, they look at me quite funny and they say, but what do you mean by that? So let me explain that, right? And I'm going to use the um, the incident of Felix's. I think it was her third mentoring call with Kevin. It, it could have been a first. It, it could have been a second call as well. But anyway, she's doing a case with with Kevin, and I think it has something to do with the paper company. The paper company is a paper shredding company that picks up waste paper from clients and shreds it for a price and sometimes stores it for a price. And, you know, Kevin wanted to work out the changes in the business model. Now, in that case, Kevin specifically tells Felix, Felix, I want you to infer what is happening here and then tell me the most important thing you want to analyze. Now, he's very direct about this. So what does Felix do? Well, Felix goes ahead and presents a structure. She presents a structure of what she's going to analyze. Kevin comes back to you and says, uh, uh, well, Felix, you know, that's great, but uh, tell me what you want to infer. Is, what, can you infer what is happening? Uh, you know, don't give me a structure. Infer what is happening. And then tell me what the most important thing is. And Felix thinks, hmm, let me go back to my structure. And she goes back to the structure. And Kevin rewords it and says, okay, Felix, tell me what's important beyond the financial issues. Right? So, again, he's asking you for what is happening. Now, you've got to understand what's happening in this situation. You've got Kevin Coyne, you know, being quite clear in what he's asking for. He's asking Felix to tell him what is happening. And then the most important thing she would analyze. But Felix has gone into the interview thinking, hey, you know what? It's a McKinsey case. I must give my structure up front and nothing else. So you've got a dynamic here whereby the former man, the man who built McKinsey's strategy practice worldwide and ran it for over seven years, telling someone what to do and they're ignoring it. Now, this is where I say you use the structure or use the approach that the interviewer asks for. And people say, but that doesn't make sense. But here's a classic example of where the interviewer is telling you what to do, but you're doing something else. Now, before I talk about the mechanics of how to solve this problem, why does this occur? This occurs because case books create this impression that there's only one way to do cases. They create this impression that cases are one-sided. Think, let's think about how a case book works. It's basically two-dimensional, right? You've got 
the solution written up it's it's a fabricated solution because whoever's writing that up is writing out the best possible answer versus what actually happens so you read the solution and you think okay these are the six different steps that are followed in the solution i got to follow the six steps but what's missing in that is the interaction between the interviewer and the candidate and what you don't see in case books is what the interviewer is asking for now that's pretty important right when you do cases any case you don't just go out there with your preconceived notion of what a mckinsey case and i, and I tell people directly you know 50 percent of what you're learning is wrong because it's not the way McKinsey cases work. I mean, you can listen to the way Kevin does McKinsey cases and it's completely different from what case books teach you. So the reality is that if you just follow case books, you're going to fail. And, you know, most people who are using case books are failing because the placement rates are so low at consulting firms. Now, my, 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 to come back to the beginning of this podcast, you've got to listen to the interviewer because he will tell you what he wants. If he, now someone once told me, I got an email from someone this morning telling me, Michael, when should I, you know, you've, you've showed me this very interesting way to tackle strategy in investment cases called the should, could, would framework. I use should in the interview and the interviewer failed me because he said I didn't understand. So anyway, the candidate explained to me the mechanics of how the case went and then I pinpointed the problem directly for me. I said, well, the reason you failed the case is because the interviewer defined what should was for them and for them should had a different definition from what you were using so what happened is that you went in with this preconceived framework you ignored the interviewer who gave you a different definition of what he wanted analyzed in should you analyzed what you thought should be in should ignoring what the interviewer asked for of course he's going to fail you because you're not listening to him so people go into the cases thinking they've got to solve the case but they kind of treat the interviewer as a, um, a you know, an innocent bystander or a spectator in a case, and I think you've got to be more involved. So what I tell candidates is that what you've got to do is you've got to imagine a triangle, and in the triangle you've got to imagine there's the facts from the case, there's the facts that you will introduce as you analyze the case, and you, you are introducing facts. Every time you infer something new, that's a new fact you're introducing to the case. And the third, you know, part of the triangle is the interviewer. Now, if I gave two partners the same case to give to candidates, they'll come up with different ways of handling the case. Do you know why? Because the written case is not everything, right? Once the case begins, the interviewer is going to em emphasize different areas, ask for different information, and even actually add different facts to the case. And as the interviewer interprets the cases in, in a different way, the case moves in different directions. Now, when you do a case, you've got to pay supreme attention to what the interviewer is doing. Too many candidates, I would say the majority, are just taking the case facts that's presented to them either verbally at the beginning or in written format and treating that as the most important point. That's not the most important point. The most important point of a case is how the interviewer presents it to you, where he emphasizes different points and how he interprets the question for you. If you, if you give the interviewer what he wants, you cannot fail a case. But what's happening is that candidates are giving the interviewer what they think the interviewer wants but they're using the written case question to determine what they what they think the interviewer wants, which is kind of it's kind of disrespectful. It's like you know sitting at a dinner conversation. It's like, the best way to think about this is imagine you're having dinner at home, 
and you know imagine you it's yourself your your two parents right your father wants to know how your day is but he keeps on asking your mother you know emma tell me uh, you know, how, how was michael's day when Michael is right there, and you don't have to ignore him, you can just ask him directly, Michael, how was your day? Michael, what do you want? And that's pretty much the way cases are being run by candidates. You've got an interviewer there who's going to decide everything, whose opinion counts for 100%. I mean, the case sheet that you have cannot rank you. It's basically an inanimate object. But you're ignoring the interviewer. And that's what's happening with cases. People just ignore the interviewer. They, they, they're so obsessed with the case that they forget that the case is an amalgam, it's a hybrid of what's written on the sheet of paper and the way the interviewer is managing the case. And the way the interviewer manages the case is actually more important than what's written on the sheet of paper. And I mean, you know, there's been situations whereby I have, you know, given someone a case, they come with instruction, they say, oh, that's interesting, let's ignore that, let's look at this data. And then people look at me and say, oh, but that's not the way I was trained to do BCG cases. And I say, well, that's not my problem. You know, this is a case. I don't know why you were told it's going to follow a certain structure. Your job is to be logical. Just be logical. So don't be obsessed with case books in the sense that they are very two-dimensional. You basically got things on a sheet of paper there. Even, even you know, audio recordings or what you see with um, people on the internet. It's not about the way it's presented or video recordings or whatever. It's about the quality of the material. And I would say that you want to be eminently logical. If you can break down a problem, then you are being logical. But if you need to break down a problem with all these kind of banded structures supporting you, then you're not going to pass an interview. Now, this is an easy problem to fix. It's not rocket science. You just have to go out there and you have to ask yourself, how do I use the interviewer as my primary guide in the interview versus using the case question as my primary guide. And if you can do that, you'll be fine. Now, that's not easy to do, judging by some of the emails I get. I think the vast majority of people just don't understand that concept. And I don't blame them. You know, bad material brainwashes you into thinking that the case is the most important part of the interview, but you're ignoring the interview. And the interviewer sets the tone. In fact, I've been in situations where I'll totally change the case, but the person says, but he says this here, and I'll say, but just five minutes ago I told you that I want you to ignore that and focus on this, and I say, oh, I didn't, I thought it, you have to follow the case, but that's what happens. People think the case is, is what's written on the sheet of paper, but the case is the way the interviewer interprets it and the direction he takes it, and you've got to follow that direction. Now, I would you know, go back to this triangle approach and make sure that while everything starts off with the case you're given, as the case progresses in, the written sheet or the verbal case you're given at the beginning becomes less and less important, and the direction the interviewer takes it in becomes more and more important. Provided you understand what the interviewer is asking, and provided you answer those questions directly, you should be fine. Now, I would you know observe the way Kevin does cases with Felix. I think it's quite useful. Um, practice those styles. Now, you notice that I use very different styles as well. Um, I have something called the uh, trend analysis. The trend analysis is a technique I developed to make sure people could develop hypotheses with nothing. Because it always frustrated me when people think they needed to ask clarifying questions to develop hypotheses. You don't need that. You can develop an hypothesis out of thin air. So you have to be able to pivot from knowing, from working with cases where everything is given to you to working to, on cases where nothing is given to you. And you have to be comfortable doing both of that, right? It's a very simple approach, but 
unless you are exposed to those kind of things, you will you know, ultimately struggle. So just be aware of that. It's not difficult, but if you ignore the interviewer or you, you know, pay him less heed than he thinks or she thinks is deserved, um, not only is it going to hurt you, it, the interviewer thinks you're ignoring them. And you are ignoring them, so you can't even hide that fact, right? Simple problem, but a very common problem that you need to avoid.